This is a test of the Boundary Park Alert System. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of this season's Boundary Park Alert System, the award-winning Boundary Park Alert System with me, Matt Dean, Andy Halliwell and Dave Bradley. How are you doing, boys? Are you, does it feel good to be a winner, Dave? You've probably never experienced anything like this before, this feeling of being a winner. How does it feel? Uh, actually, I got a, a one referee of the season back in 2008, so, you know, awards you? are just sec- second nature to me, mate. So, uh, yeah, you know, it is. Uh, yeah, it feels great. Um, fantastic. As I said, I got a bit overwhelmed uh, when we won it because um, it was just like a release. Uh and yeah, it's just, and it was an amazing night as well. And um, I, I loved every minute of it. Good stuff, Andy. We we can listen to the moment we won if we play this clip. <laughs> you the way of knees. Paul Lake. I mean, obviously. I mean, who else? Who else would we dedicate this award to? But for the people's champion. <laughs> <laughs> My legs nearly gave way on stage when you were doing that because I was just laughing that much. Honestly, it was just so funny. I said I was going to do it. At the, I said I was going to do it at the beginning, and then like they weren't going to give us this. They weren't going to give us because that's the thing. They get the fans on. They're not asked what we have to say. They're like, get them on there, <laughs> you know, get them off. So it's like, no, we have to. We have to speak up because, you know, he's a man of principle, isn't he, Gary? And I, I think it's what drives us all to do good. So, um, <laughs> Two million I, reasons I love, why he's a good man. I, I yeah. just love Rowetta's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like, was yeah, go, Gary. Yeah. I was the next one. Woo, yeah, Gary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are you doubting my sincerity, Andy? Uh, I, somewhat, yeah. <laughs> Given that we'd all talked about his um, his appearance on "Have I Got News for You" on the Friday, it was uh, yeah, yeah. It seemed it fitting. Funny. It seemed fitting, and I was three sheets by then, so uh, you know. Paul Lake was laughing his head off at that. You know, he was like that. He said that that was quality. You know, <laughs> so because you know, X City. Man United here, Paul. Uh, yeah, he was just laughing his head off. He said, "Oh God." Where said, did oh, it, Where did you learn that party trick that you've got with uh, a napkin as well, Matt? <laughs> well, I tell you, who taught us that. That was um, uh, my mum, dad's friend, Malcolm. 
uh, taught us that. Um, I, it was one of those things that I got taught in it about late 80s, I think it was. Uh, it's just stuck with me because you know, you never know when you're going to need to pull, you never know when you're going to need to turn a napkin into a bra slash into little sort of cat ears um, just to break the ice on a on a table, uh, <laughs> on a award ceremony. But it was, yeah, it's a good one. I'll, I, maybe I'll have to put it online and uh, let people can share the wealth, so to speak. <laughs> anyway, we digress. We've got a lot to talk about because um, we've got an interview with Darren Royal coming up. Uh, or part one of an interview with Darren Royal coming up. Um, myself and Andy chatted with Darren uh, around the table in, in, in my office, which was really nice, wasn't it, mate? It was uh, nice because you were up for the awards and uh, you were around for a couple of days after, so we, we got to talk to Darren in person, which was nice. Yeah, it was. It, it actually is better doing it face-to-face than, than over, over a screen, isn't it? So if we can maybe try and do some more of those where you just get more of an interaction in the conversation. I hope it comes across in the um, in the record. It should do, I think. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, we, we we all got very used to doing it like that. And we're doing it like this now, aren't we? Because it's just it's just easier at the end of the day. But I think it is nice as and when to be able to, to meet up. It's like when we do the phoning, Dave. It's nice to just be in the same room. We're human beings. We're not like, we're not robots. Mm. We spend enough time talking to people down a, down a screen, don't we? So it's nice to be in the same room. So we've got that coming up, part one of that coming up. Um, it's just over an hour in total, about an hour and 10 minutes in total. We thought we'd split it up, do half this week and half next week. Um, and I, I mean, what I'm thinking is like, it's going to be really interesting because obviously, Andy, you didn't, not obviously, but you didn't make the game yesterday. Andy, you're back down in landing now and it'll be, it'll be, is it Maidstone next week? Is it? Yeah, I'll be. Uh, yeah, I'll be yeah. Amazing. So you'll be there, um, Dave. You were at the game yesterday. I didn't make it because I've not been. I've not been well. I mean, I've, the most unholy amount of snot coming out of my head the last couple of days. Not where it's coming from. Um, I, f- I figured it'd be better not to be around other humans anyway. Um, while I was like that. Fanzoni. Right, Matt. So Peter Clark's coming. Surprised? Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised. You think you'll make it make an impact? Well, I think he's uh, just his personality will be an improvement on what we've got. Even if his legs are going, I don't think they are going from what I've seen. But I've seen the reaction online. But I think he's just what we need right now. A bit of steel at the back. Well, he's played 14 games for Walsall, which is quite interesting considering he only played 16. So I don't know what it is. Is, well, it a bit, is he probably he got unsettled? League two player of the year, didn't he? Yeah. So I think what we've seen this season, they can't get any worse, can it? <laughs> Definitely not. What score do you think it'll be today? 3 2 Latics. Who's going to score? I'll take anyone today, to be honest. You can walk our crook. <laughs> and if you wanted me to ask Guns with a question after the game, what would it be? Uh, well, I saw his interview and he said that we've hit the bar on the post for a couple of signings, so I'm guessing they're not happy. So, where does he feel we need to strengthen still? Right. Cheers, pal. Nah. So, Clint, Peter Clark's come back. How do you feel about that? Absolutely brilliant. Never got shouldn't got rid of him in the first place. No, he's a League Two player of the late year last season, wasn't he, for Tranmere? And uh, yeah, do you think that leadership qualities he'll bring will improve the squad? It's going to be awesome. Today we're going to win, just for him alone coming back. We're going to win, are we? What score is it going to be, pal? It's going to be three-one. Who's going to score? Ooh, I'll be joking and say Clark Hatrick. Let's have it. <laughs> Three corners and in. And I'm going to be interviewing David Unsworth after the game. If, if you wanted to ask him one question, what would it be? Why are your cobblers so good at cutting keys? <laughs> Thanks. Stop talking cobblers. Cheers, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm just David. What's your name, please, pal? Mark Tarbuck. 
Yeah, apologies last time. You've done it at Banzoni before, but I ended up deleting the file by accident. So, yeah. Right, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. So, Peter Clark coming back, how do you feel? Brilliant, yeah. I mean, I, I was just talking to my wife there about, about when he scored the goal against Chesterfield and, I, and what what he does and what, what what he means to this club. And it's, it's just fantastic that they're, they're slowly but surely they're doing it, aren't they? They're turning it round. You can see everything today in there, in, in, in the fans' bar. It looks impressive, doesn't it? It's yeah. fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. It's good. It's slowly but surely. It's like, it's like that proverbial oil tanker turning it round. I think I heard you say it on one of your one of your podcasts. But yeah, it's happening. It's going. I, I do believe it's going to come. It really is. And I was just saying to the wife there that the, the, uh, I just wish we'd had was here to see it because he'd be, be loving this. He'd be loving it. He really would. So yeah, it's great. So what scores it going to be today? Uh, I think it'll be another tough game, but um, I'm going for a. I'm going for a win, obviously, ever the optimist, but... Um, what think score? Come on, go um, um, Let's say 2-1. Who's going to score? I'd love it if Clark got one. I'd love it, I'd love it. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I think Abraham will get one if he's playing. I, I, I haven't seen the team, but... Um, and, and obviously Tollett. I think Tollett's playing quite well. There's a, there's a potential for Liam Hogan to be back today with Clark in the, uh, the centre-back, so... Do you think that would be a welcome bit of news for the Latics' defence? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, if he's, hopefully if Clark plays and he plays alongside him, I think they'll, uh, they'll bring that experience and that and that, and that that motivation that they've got. And it, They're not going to let anyone shy away, are they? They're going to, they're going to jump on it. Any mistakes, they're going to... Yeah. And finally, uh, if you could ask David Unsworth the question, which I'm going to be seeing him afterwards, what would you ask him? Just that, no, well, it's not really a question, but just to know that, that, that I mean, obviously, you, you're going to see the things on media and you're going to see the tweets and you're going to see this, but, you know, I mean, like, Joe Royal didn't do it as soon as he came and it took time and and, and, and I'm hearing, or me personally, I'm hearing what you're trying to do or, I'm see, I, you, you know, I'm feeling what you're trying to do, so stick at it, stick with us and, and I'm sure it'll turn away. I was talking to, I was talking to some Brent, uh, Barnet fans in there and they were saying that, wow, this is the experience of the whole match day is, is happening. So get it get it right off the field and then on the field, I believe, will come. Will come. Thanks, Mark. Much appreciated. Pleasure. Nice. Hi, I'm just there. We're watching them, please, pal. Uh, Graham Lees. So what do you think about the fans bar today? It's a bit more improved, isn't it? Fantastic. Fantastic atmosphere. Great to see the club doing something. Um, yeah, I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, as you said, with the club doing something, the little Wembley's now come into the play and... Uh, you know, now the fans bar, it's step by step, Peter Clark's come back in, what did you make of that yesterday? Well, it can't be any worse than what we've got, and uh, yeah, as we all know, he's uh, a fan's hero, uh, wears his badge on his sleeve, and uh, yeah, it, it can only be good. What about Sidney Peck, are you impressed by that, a midfielder coming in? I'll be honest, I've got no idea who he is, um, we've seen a lot of these 18 year olds come and they're a bit powder puff, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. And what do you think the score will be today, Bob? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Latics. Who's going to be the scorer? Come on, Graham. I'm going to go Peter Clark and um, I'll go for Sydney Peck. <laughs> and if you wanted me to ask one question to Unsworth after the game, what would it be? 4-4-2. Is that a question? It's a statement. <laughs> Cheers, Bob. Hey, grazie, dear fans. And as it turned out, Dave, it wasn't a bad choice because um, it sounded like it was a pretty grim 90 minutes. Yeah, it was typical Latics. First 10 minutes of the first half and then, you know, looking really positive, get a few crosses in, no one were getting on the end of them. And then they just started backing off, backing off, backing off. 
What I would say, though, credit where credit's due is that Hogan and, and Clark did look relatively solid at the back and a lot more organised than we did with Okabui and Maynard. So there was positives to take out of it. Sheeran was playing right back, well, his natural position. Um, however, when Barnett scored, he turned Hogan, Idris Kanu, and I've, I could have seen Milk turn quicker than Hogan. He just he was about 10 yards behind him. And it was a good finish. Then we went to push on. Um and they 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 got the second in the uh, in the in the dying members of the game. But the one thing for me was that City Peck looked pretty good, but Rooney was just a lost man. He didn't do anything, he didn't pass, he just tried his speculative speculative thirty yard shot once or twice. And it it was really disappointing. But then Unsworth said after the game that Rooney was one of the best players and standout players. So I'm struggling to see what he saw um, in that game. Hallam Hope, a lot of endeavour. Kitchen played well. Um, but again, it's just as soon as he can see that goal, the, the confidence just dips. They're just a team who are just so unconfident and they're, and they're, and they're worried about the crowd getting on the back. Um, and I think the pressure's getting to them all, I think. Do- did you think that we played well in the first half? Because I've seen Unsworth's post-match interview uh, where he says he thought we played all right in the first half. Did you, we're did you, all right. We we're all right. We weren't spectacular. We looked the we looked the more most likely to score. Uh, Norman did pull off a fantastic save in the first half as well, like a goal line scramble. Um, we looked very confident, and then the, the longer the game went on, they just sort of ran out of ideas. Tollett started running into two or three players. He he was. I don't know what sort of role he was trying to switch the switch the wingers of Hope and Tollett. And then Tollett kept on coming on the inside and just getting dispossessed all the time. So he was having a really poor game. And he nearly in the second half, we, we nearly conceded a goal where Tollett passed the ball from our corner, um, from our corner flag, you know, in the defended in the defended area of the pitch to to Sheeran, but he overhit it and Norman had to clear it, and it was just like Honestly, couldn't believe it. Like it was like hospital balls. It just started. They just they just looked like they'd, they'd lost their edge. But I would say that Bernard being in front of the defenders, it was like a four-one-two-three, uh, and it was a it was a really bizarre formation. But he did play four at the back, and Bernard mm. in that defensive midfielder. But he got booked so early for a silly challenge. He had to. He had to. He was on thin ice for the rest of the game. But. He was playing in the position that he wanted to play in, Lewis, and you know because he's been in central defence. He's more of a defensive midfielder because he played there for Solihull. Um, that City Pet looked good, but he, I don't think he was match fit enough. He came off about sixty minutes, um, and it was just bringing on Dan Gardner. He's gone. His legs are gone, mate. He was so poor, so so poor. And Rooney spat his dummy out when he got subbed as well um, for Fonda. So where's the, where's the good news, Dave? Um, <laughs> Is there I, any? I think they looked more confident at the back with Hogan and Clark, as I said. Mm. Um, but but we still let two in. We did, we did, but uh, the, the, the it, score. Yeah, that's that, it's just that, <laughs> lack, that lack of creativity up front. But we didn't look as shaky as we did. We looked a bit more. You know, we could see Clark, you could see Hogan giving mm. the instructions, and it it was good to see, but. <laughs> The sec- as I said, the second goal was because we were pushing on for the attack and then we just got dispossessed because of a poor pass by Gardner. Um, their first goal was another Halifax second goal, that's where the throwing came in. 
the player got it and he just turned Hogan and uh, again Hogan's probably but he's not he ain't got much pace anyway. But, he just, uh, he's he's going to have to Unsworth is going to have to find a, a formula soon. I, I there are all, all the all the usual suspects were out on social media uh, pretty much after the game calling for his head. Uh, they've made a decision that he's not up to up to the task. Um, I weighed in a little bit. Um, and then ducked out when I got bored of, of trying to defend a position. I, I, I'm of the view that after 11 games, yes, he, he's failing at the minute to get the best out of the players that he's got, I think. You know, Sheridan got more out of these, in terms of points at least, than Unsworth is getting out of them. And, and he's got to, you know, have a long, hard think about that. And, and him and his coaching staff and Joe Royal have got to try and find a formula that works. Um, because... We, obviously, this cannot cannot go on for much longer. We're now in the bottom four. We're in a relegation battle. But my my point of view is, he's got to be given more time to put his stamp on the the squad and the, and the setup that that he wants to go with, and and stop being so defensively and negatively minded. I think is the thing that's probably most most apparent. He's got to try and go out and win games. And if we get beat, we get beat trying to win a game instead of just trying to hold on and keep. We shouldn't be trying to hold on to a nil-nil with Barnet to sneak one. You know, it's Barnet for crying out loud. But so I can feel the. Fr- I understand the frustration. But yeah, some of those people, <clears throat> I think, calling for his head. I tried to cite Joe Royal in in eighty three, eighty four, finished fourth bottom, um, another shocking season. And after about the first however many games up to up to this point in the season. I reckon the same people that are in social media calling for Unsworth head would have been calling for Royals head at that point. Um, and and what a catastrophically poor decision that would have proved to have been. So I just think you've got to give him more time. Um, as, as we'll begin to learn from the um, Darren Royal interview, you know, when he when he put some some detail on, on a, some of the questions that we managed to cover, um, you know, the, all the infrastructure and changes that are going in the background are going to benefit the club in the long run. So we, my view still is, be patient. I don't think we'll go down, but it ain't going to be pretty. We're going to be finishing midway to bottom half, but I don't think we'll go down. Yeah, there's got to be some um, considerable changes, clearly, um, in performances, in results and all the rest of it. But we are incredibly, as a squad, still incredibly unbalanced, aren't we? We do not have the right players for the right positions. And that was part of the reason why we went down, because recruitment under Abdallah and Moore was so ad hoc that we would just get, you know, well, you know, like when, when we had Kewell and we were um, desperate for defenders, we got like three right wingers on loan, you know, things like that. We had, we, we, we've been so unbalanced. So there's like finding the system of, of how to play the best team is, is, is all over the place because we don't have the right players for the right positions, do we? The, the, the most Still. incredible bit about that, Matt, is if you, if you look at, I, I said this a few weeks back, if you pick up any match day programme of whoever we're playing against, and look at how many players we've listed on the back. Yesterday, with all the additions, we had, I think, twice the number of players that Barnett had, or yeah. nearly twice the number of players. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. incredible that you can't find a, a balanced squad out of that many human beings that, that are professional footballers. It's, it's right, though. When you sit down and try and work out a team, you look at it and you think, 
it's not easy to do, is it? You're not like saying, well, I'm going to choose this right back over this right back and this, because like you just said, Dave, you've got Sheeran playing at right back and that's not his position. You know, you want to play a 4 4 2 and you're thinking, well, who's the right sided midfielder? Who's the left sided midfielder? You don't really sort of have them. I mean, for me, I'd play, I'd play Tollett like on one of the wings. I'd put him at left, probably at left midfield and tell him to just cut in. And, and, and I'd play Abrams and Fond up up top. And and you know play you know four one three two if if you like and as the main as the holding midfielder but you know the, the the problems are there when we play three in midfield we get overrunning midfield when we play three up top it ends up being one up top five in midfield still getting overrunning midfield it's just not working so he's got to figure it all out the problem is at the moment is you've got like you've got two camps you've got the sort of patience camp and the panic camp and you know camp patience says. Like you said, Andy, you've got to give it time. You've 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 got to let things just progress and, and things work out. Um, listen to Darren Rawls' interview. See how you feel. Uh, does it make you feel more reassured? Um, does it make you feel inclined to be a bit more patient? Or does it make you still want to press the panic button? And how many times over the last 15 years have we pressed the panic button? And how many times has it worked? It's, you might you might argue it's worked when Shez has come in a couple of times, um, but on the whole, does it work? No. No, you're on mute, Andy. Uh, <laughs> if we're, in, if we're yeah. in the bottom four in February, you know, middle of Feb, third week of Feb, if we, it, it, he's had he's January, in effect, when the market will start to turn a bit more, and. We're still as abject as we are now. He's in a, he's in a bit of bother. <laughs> you, you, you'd be giving Sheridan another call and saying, we need you to help us try, try and keep us up again. But I, I don't, I, my gut tells me that as, as abject as the performances are, and some people would like to suggest I'm not allowed an opinion because I wasn't there yesterday, but <laughs> I still know how they played and I still attend enough games and I've seen at least, you know, two of the last three games on TV anyway. So, I, my view is, as abject as the performances that I've seen are, I, I think that eventually things will, will win through and the coaching will start to make a difference and the fitness and the structure and all the things that, that, that come with it will start to, to make a difference. It is a bit of faith I'm having. I, you know, I, I don't have hard evidence to base that that on, whereas, whereas other people that are calling for his head, I don't think that they've got hard evidence to suggest that it won't turn that way either. They've also um, not got solutions, Andy, have they? Because it's just dead easy and dead lazy to just argue for Unsworth. Come right, well, who's going to who's going to come in? Who are they going to bring in, and how are they going to do that? And, and and what? How are they going to fix the challenges that the club has? Are they just going to sit on the sidelines and criticise and just be contrary like they always do? Because and even when some of them come on the podcast, they never have a reasonable argument. So, like, it's I mean, you know, they're really you know, some of them think they're smart. I'm watching you argue with some of them yesterday. People that I've met in real life seem all right because they 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 they're just being like that for, for a reason. It's fine; they're free to say what they want, right? But they, they don't have solutions, and they're just annoying. Now we might go down this season. We might change uh, Unsworth uh, at some point because we're in, and still go down this season uh, because ultimately you might end up on the third manager and they've not been able to find a solution because the players that we've got are bad enough. That I don't think we'll happen. go down. I don't think we'll no, go no, down. No, no, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, you know, you could change him and you could still end up going going down because doing that will do nothing necessarily to change it. It might do, it might not do. Like you said, you can't, hindsight's a, a wonderful thing, knowing now that, um, we, you know, not, you know, 
Joe Ryle having such a terrible season, and uh, not a terrible season, but having the first season he did, and then going on to do what he did. You know, if they decide uh, Joe Ryle, they might have ended up getting Alex Ferguson in. Alder might be in the Champions League now. You never know, right? It's all <laughs> hypothetical, isn't it? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, who knows? But the point is, is that like you've got to just. If you if you put something in place and you believe in something, you have to stick with it, don't you? I do, I would rather the board, uh, Oldham Athletic now, believe in what they're doing and stick to their guns than listen to a few vocal people trying to get so sack sack him on on just on their own sort of feelings. But you see, you see, uh, my my life experience tells me that if a company is well run, if it's structurally process recruitment appointment uh, vision. Uh, structure. If a company is put together and everyone is pointed in a direction to work as part of a team and a unit, it will be successful. If a company is badly run, it, it still can be successful, but the likelihood is it won't be. Mm-hmm. And so, even in a if, in a business that is that is um, structurally sound, you can have one or two people that are not even very good, and the company will still be successful because the whole unit is pointing in the right direction. And and that's sort of where I come come out with this. In, in the past, it, I, I never felt inclined to blame the likes of Harry Kuehl, you know, Dino Marmria, Frank Bunn, uh, even Keith Curl, right? Because the circumstances they were working under structurally and, 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 mm-hmm. and the business, it was just so rotten that they could, if they did succeed, it was against all the odds that they would do that. In this instance, everything in the background is being put in place structurally to help the company be successful. So eventually, at some point, Unsworth will be successful because he's got the right ethics, work ethics. He's trained. He's got all the qualifications. He's got the great relationship with the board of directors. It will come good at some point. That's how I come to that conclusion. I'm not coming to that conclusion because I see what he's done to the left back. He's made the left back better or the centre half now positionally is better than it was when Sheridan was here. I'm not, I'm not basing it on any of that. I just know that structurally it will win through. And I think Unsworth will be a success. Dave, give the counter argument to that. I don't think there is a counter argument. You know, I was I was one of the naysayers a few weeks ago saying we need to win games, we need to win games. But it does, as you say, it's a short term solution with no real planning or strategy behind it. So I think he's, the next ten games are going to be crucial for Unsworth, and then he, he will have had twenty two twenty two games, which is near enough half a season. And if we're still down in the uh, in the relegation zone, then there will be questions asked, and I think the board will have to act because I don't think we can go down. I, we can't go down, and as you say, I don't. You, you don't think we will, but it it's 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 going to be difficult because if if we're down there and with the squad we've got, with the culture that we've sort of still in place on the pitch, or all, right, all the Infrastructure's being improved. The club's getting better. You know, there's little Wembley being open. You know, and there's there's a plan in place over the next two three years. If we go down, I think that'd be an absolute disaster. And I I don't think we, there's a there's an option for us to go down. I really don't. And I think they will have to act on David Unsworth. But again, it, t- eleven a lot can happen in ten eleven games, can't it? You know, we could get four wins and be out of it and moving up the table. So. The way to counter it, Dave. The way to counter it is is presume is signings, isn't it? You know, we need quality. Mm. We need the quality of signings to improve. Because, like, let's look since Sunsworth come in. Who who've we signed? We've signed John Rooney. 
Yeah, well, who's Carragher, Carragher was his first one. Carragher was the first one that he influenced, apparently, wasn't he? Which which was yeah. a good youth signing. John Rooney looks <clears throat> looks an abject failure to me at the minute. Um, he, he doesn't mm -hmm. look. Um, he's either playing him in the wrong position, too deep, should let him play it up behind the striker. But he he looks the worst one. But then the, the likes of you know Kitchen, I've only seen him a couple of times, but looks like he's an improvement on on what we've got. Yeah. Um, you, you don't think anyone's, even though he's forty year old, don't think anyone's arguing with the organisational skills of Peter Clark. Um, you know the, the young lad from Sheffield United, we, 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 we haven't got a clue on yet. Uh, Abraham looks like he's got something about him, or looks like he might have something about him up front. So I'd say the signings he's making within the scope of what he can sign, right? Because <laughs> he can't get as Messi and Ronaldo <laughs> within the scope of players that he can sign. I think he's signing better players than we have. I don't think he's signing worse players than we've got and that we need them to click sooner rather than later yeah agreed there are some uh, curious uh, decisions though aren't there you know like he's he, you know he's brought in abrahams and he seems to want to now replace fondop with abraham which doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me i think one i'm going to put this in one of the groups is today i think that one of he's doing is maybe he's slightly undermining the players a little bit because i think he looks at them and thinks these lads aren't good enough to do what i want them to do he doesn't have enough confidence in them he's coming from this point of view this i've said this before about managers that come from the top level to this level they're not used to it they're not used to working with players who aren't as good at doing following orders and doing what they're supposed to do and it takes he has to, he's going to have to adjust to this pretty quickly and this is where i think he's going to he's going to have to prove his mettle because i think he, the expectations of the players are too high um and and not that they're too high but he's 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 got a I think he's undermining them. I think what he's been saying is, I don't want to play four at the back because I don't trust these players to play like this. And he, I think he is putting them, um, he's undermining their confidence. He needs to put that team together and say, right, four, four, two, four at the back, two up top, go and score goals. But he's trying to get, he, he, he's undermining them by saying, you're not good enough. Um, because he can see that they're not good, but that's not his job. He's not to say that they're not good enough. His job is to get the best out of them. Um, and I think that he needs to. We're not playing and attacking enough. We're not having a goal. Um, and I think when they're out there, and you might be saying like, play this, you know, like four, one, two, three, whatever. It, <laughs> it's like it's falling into a, 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 a four, five, one. Uh, they're falling back because they're not. They don't have the confidence to go out there and just do what they want to do. Fond up and Abraham up top could be dangerous. Big man causing havoc amongst the centre halves. Fast young lad running around them. That's what we need. Uh, Rooney needs to be up behind those two. I'd say Tollett needs to be bombing down the wings. We're kitchen, um, you know, overlapping at least on one side that's dangerous, even if the other side isn't. The, the, there's, he's got to instill into them that, that uh, uh, some confidence that they can that they can do it. And I think even in what he's saying, he said yesterday was the first time that he's had the confidence to put four at the back. And he's undermining the players that he's got. And I, so I think that there there is... Um, there is criticism of Unsworth. Some of it is 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 fair, I think. Um, and so it's it's up to him now. I mean, you know, to 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 he doesn't have to listen to me. Doesn't matter. Doesn't have to listen to the podcast. Doesn't have to listen to the fans. But he is responsible, and he's not getting the results. And part of that is what he's doing. So that's that's my view. That's where I think he's falling down, and I think he needs to address it. He needs to realize where he is, and he needs to get the best out of these players. And he's not doing it at the minute. That's fair. Yeah, I think play. You know, again, looking at the 
playing four at the back yesterday, but the, to play like the, the three up, it wasn't like a three attack. It was like two wingers in terms of Tollett and Hope, and then one up front at home. It's so, it's just really negative. As, as you you say. can't play wingers there that are ahead of wingers have to be behind. Exactly. You know, you need to have bodies in front of wingers. Do you know what every I mean? T- every time Kitchen, Kitchen, as I say, he played well yesterday and he got he got past the defender, the last man took him on, got a crossing. There's nobody there because yeah. Abraham was dropping too deep. It was just deep, deep, deep. They just didn't have that belief. And then when Fondop came on, again, he was he was trying to go play deep to get, get the ball because no one in no one in the midfield was helping him to get possession. So every time they got a crossing, there's nobody there, you know, and apart from a a, a, a dodgy back heel from Clark. There wasn't really much to shout about from an attacking front yesterday. You know, no. it would have been great if that had gone in, though. To be fair, to because <laughs> it wasn't cheeky back heel, and it was inches wide. But it's it's that culture, the dynamic of when we when the goal goes in against us. Everyone's there. You could just see them all drop. There's no one going. Come on, get moving. You know, even Peter Clark, his head sort of dropped as well because I think he he sort of seen the characters that we've actually got in this squad. There's nobody who can get the game by the balls and get get going with it, you know. But again, he's only been here a few days. And they don't believe, do they, that they're going to score, Dave? That's the problem because, and you know what? What I thought was telling you today, because I listened to the game, was after the goal had gone in, the first goal I think it was, um, there there was a change made, an attacking change made, right? Fondock comes on. So what that says to me is, I know I've not give. I know I've not set the team up in the most attacking way I could have done from the start of the game because I'm making an attacking change now that we're chasing the game. So I'm sorry, but we're at home. We need to start the game with the most attacking team on the pitch, and we need to go and win that game. There's no excuse. That's what we have to do. Change it away from home. Three points at home, a point on the road. Happy days. That's promotion form, right? If you're setting your team up in a defensive-minded way at home against Barnet, against anyone, it doesn't matter because we've been turned over by Wheelstorm, we've struggled against Eastley, all all these teams. We've got to set the team up to win games, and he's not doing that. And I, I want to be patient with him. I want to be patient with everything, but at the same time, I'm as frustrated as everybody else is that we're not having a go from kickoff. The crowds at Boundary Park are dwindling. Um, slowly but surely, as we get into the winter months, as we get nearer to Christmas and all that, you know, it's the most expensive. This is going to be the most expensive Christmas for everybody for a lot for quite a long time. It's freezing cold, the football shite. <laughs> you know what I mean? The fans bar might be great, and blah blah blah. At the end of the day, if we're, if we're winning one game in every ten, people aren't going to bother. So the best way is to have a go at home, get the crowd on side. And 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 he's going to have to do. What's the next home game now? Anyone? It's talky. Is it? Is it? We've got That's th- like we've a got month three, away. Yeah. We've got three away games. We've got Boreham Wood. We've got uh, Maidstone, and then we've got Solihull away. So we've got three away games on the bounce. Three tough games again. Yeah, uh, and I'll be going to two of them. So uh, I'll be able to have an opinion. Have you seen us win this season yet, Andy? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we haven't run away, have we? <laughs> away, so. I've only seen I've only seen the score once live. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's this is the thing though. Like the last four games, and I'm not even going back further than that because I don't know what to be too depressed. But we've lost eight one on aggregate. Yeah. That's poor. It's, it's really, really poor. So I if, I don't if, want people 
that are listening. Sorry, Dave. I don't want people that are listening to this to think that we're like some kind of happy. We're not happy clapping at all. It just we need to know what the you know. If I'm saying that you're that you're stupid for calling for runs without, I understand the frustration. I'm not saying you're stupid. I I just don't think that, that anyone has presented an articulate enough argument against it or given us an alternative. You can't just go poach your managers off other clubs mid-season. It doesn't. It's not that easy. It's not that cheap. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. So like, it's. I don't know what else we do, but it's clearly a very worrying time on the field. Sorry, Dave. If we're not careful, and I'm only being a little bit facetious, we'll be getting the four or nine to Kers and Ashton next season if, if 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 things don't change quickly. You know, as I say, you've got to give him time, but he's got to set the team up to attack and go for it. And I'd rather lose four three going for it than you know score a few goals just to get the confidence going because then then it will come because you'll play a poor team like a older shot down the line or maybe a. You know, I don't, I don't know what Gate said. And if you've just say you've lost four three against maybe a decent team, you could go on it and get that get that bounce just to get moving, just get some goals. That's the worrying bit for me. We're not showing anything up front. You can sort a nice tidy defence out and we're still conceding, but if we're not showing anything up front like yesterday, other than a, a, a back heel and a, a, a crosses into the box where nobody's there, you know. It, it, it counts for nothing, does it? Because all we're going to do is concede later on and then try and chase the game and then concede again. So there's, there's some serious questions of Unsworth now. And, you know, he's a UEFA pro licence coach. And, yeah, he's, he's really got to start earning his money, hasn't he, and turning it around, which I, which I think he can do, as you, as you, as you both alluded to. Um, but I think a little bit of it is the crowd getting on the players' back because as soon as that goal went in against Barney, it was like... Oh, you know, I think about, I'd say about 100 left. As soon as Barnett scored that first goal, the people walking out. And that's that's the other concern, you know. And then the second goal went in and it was like, honestly, it, it, the Rochdale Road was half full. You know, it, was, it wasn't good to see and they're getting booed off. You know, the boo boys came out again and it's like, why? why? They even booed them at half time when it was nil-nil. There's the people booing then and it was like, why are you booing them? You know, it's it's nil nil. We've still got things to play for, and the players, if they heard that, must think, I don't know why I'm bothering. But again, fans want to see the team win, don't they? And fans have the right to do what they want, unfortunately. And it's um, it's it's a really tough time. You know, everyone thought that we'd get this new owner bounce, a new manager bounce, and it's just it's just been really difficult. And everyone's frustrations are just getting are getting heightened, aren't they, with the with the lack of results on the pitch, which which I think is fair in some respects, but you've got to give him time. And I, I interviewed him after the game yesterday, and he was furious. He was upset. He was angry, but he was very honest. And he and he asked him, you know, a few difficult questions, you know, and he, he answered them very well. And he wasn't he wasn't rude. He wasn't he wasn't defeatist. He was he was trying to improve, and he was saying that he's working day and night to get this better. So you can see the passions there. You know, he's not he's not dejected like, you know, like Sheridan was in some cases. So you've got to give credit where credit's due. He's trying to do everything he can to get this get this right. David, boundary pack alert system. I, I don't know if you've looked at the table, but now we've slipped into the relegation zone. Will okay. that play on your mind? Um, no, not yet. Uh, it's not, um, you know, I knew we were in that type of battle all season and now I know the fans don't want to hear that um, but I'm honest and realistic enough to know that that um, 
you know, it was always going to be stop the rot this year and, and stay in the league. And now I know fans don't want to hear that. They want to hear, you know, we're going to win the league and we're going to, you know, but when you've, you've, you've had the disappointments over the years that this club has, at some point you've just got to draw a line in the sand. And the line in the sand this season is quite honestly, we stay in this division. Uh, and that's not changed from from the remit that I was given at the beginning to till the last till the last ball's kicked. I think it's just as you've touched on earlier, talking about the belief in the team, isn't it? And mm. people like Hogan coming into the squad and Peter Clark. Do you think that they will start instilling that belief that you want on the field? Absolutely. Um, they did it at the start of the game. Um, the messages and it sounded right, and I know what a successful team sounds like. So that was that was okay. Um, and you know, as they get stronger and fitter, they we will get better. So the the two big players for us. Have you got a message for the fans at the moment? Yeah, I have. I, you know, the, the remit's not changed, and I know their expect, expectations are massive, and and that's why I I wanted to come here as manager because the expectation of the club is is huge. But if you don't know where we are as an Oldham fan or a spectator in terms of of, of league position and in terms of team. Uh, after what's happened over the last three seasons, you know, you're not being honest. And what I've done since the day one, so, so I'm standing here now with you, is be honest, be honest with everybody. And, you know, we've just got to keep going and, and we've got to stay in the league this year. And that's that's massive for us. And, and supporters don't want to hear things like that, but you cannot turn around a club like this after what's happened to it overnight. You, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible to do that. And we are we are fighting, we are working, we are doing everything we can. Um, you know, the owner, the board, you know, Darren, myself, the staff. You know, we're, we're doing everything, and and we'll keep doing everything. And it's um, it's a long season, and quite quickly you can turn things around. I've been in this position before as a player, and two or three wins on the bounce will get you comfortable. And um, it's not a word I enjoy, but you know, I'd enjoy a little bit of comfort at the moment because um, the club's desperate for it. Thanks very much. All right, cheers, thank you. Well, shall we see how the CEO, Darren Royal, feels about things? And uh, let's see if you, as a fan, as a listener, feel any more comforted, should we say, uh, by part one of this interview uh, with Darren Royal, CEO. Here we are, uh, me, Matt Dean, Andy Halliwell, and yeah. Darren Royal, all sat around a table in the same room. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. What, uh, we, Andy, you're up here because Monday night, Northwest Football Awards. Yeah. We're recording this on the following Wednesday. Yeah. Winners. Winners. What better way to start our, you know, reign as podcast champions with a special guest, Indeed. CEO of the club. But it's nice to all be sat around a table talking like human beings in it rather than through a screen so thanks for coming Darren. Thanks for the invite and congratulations what a magnificent achievement after what the, the club's been through you guys picking that award up so heartfelt congratulations from from everyone and hopefully we can we can celebrate it after a win on Saturday and toast a beer. I hope so much yeah, yeah. I'd I, I, I part that award for uh, 10 wins on the bounce uh, for Latics. <laughs> I'd, I'd give it up, I'd swap it like tomorrow if I could, for sure. So, yeah, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? And, like, I know that me and you, Andy, with the podcast and everything, and obviously I'd spoke to you a little bit, Darren, on the build-up through, not particularly, I didn't know you, I knew you were involved to some degree in, in what was going on, but 
we were dread I was dreading this season, dreading it. Yeah. Dreading the fight, I was dreading having to take on a dollar for another year. I was dreading this whole thing, and then before the season started, every, we, you got we got a call off you, we got the press conference, and everything changed. So it's it really is a pleasure to be sat here talking to you and be a, um, you know what Andy's like. Andy's our our Rover reporter. He's had all these questions ready and all that. And so there's lots of information that fans are, are no doubt eager to find out about about. Um, what's been going on over the last few months and where we're at, but this is a very, very different circumstance to one that we could be in at this point in this season. Um, so I think, you know, first of all, just thanks for all your efforts so far and, and, and agreeing to come on the on the podcast. Yeah. So shall we shall we start grilling him or what? <laughs> <laughs> he's starting to, he's starting to get going, aren't you, Darren? I can tell. I can tell. Go on, Andy. you kick off. We'll kick off. So we've got uh, we've got a lot of questions that we simply will not get all through in this sitting no. because we'd like to be able to do a series of these over the course of time with you, with some of the other directors, with some of the people involved in the club. So we've got sort of two sections to you know the business side of it and the football side of it. And I'll just let's just start off with the business in terms of the chronology. So you take us back to that that time when the press conference was announced, and you know for the likes of myself. I don't mind admitting I shed a tear that day because it because it, I felt like we we had a future again, um, and you know and also knew if you've listened to the podcast that this season was not going to be easy. I knew we were going to struggle and it was going to be a hard slog. But what what have you found? Um, I guess since you started, what have you found that surprised you, either positively or negatively, about the first few months? What 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 have, what have you come across where you've not expected to see? Um, the positives, without doubt, just the the overwhelming reaction from the supporters, the public, the council, everyone. It was it was you know a mixture of emotions all wrapped up, wasn't it? And it was unbelievable. Um, before the Dorking game, with everything that happened, um, a sense of celebration, sense of relief outpouring of emotion um so that that without doubt was you know it, it was a reminder about how special the club is to everybody um how big the club is what an important role it plays within the town yeah. um so you know that's that does stand out and that's that's something we've got to um keep hold of and remind ourselves about you know what why we're here what we're dealing with um whether it's whether it's negatively or the reality of it, I think without a doubt, again, you know how difficult this league is. Um, we've got clubs and teams that have been in it for a long time. Um, some that are basing their business models on staying in the league, um, and some that are not, and and they're trying desperately to get out of the league that have been in for a long time. So, yeah, you know the results have been very very tough, um, which. It's just where we are. Very early on, three months in, um, that's that's been you know that's, that's been a reality. It, it must have been from, from a business side of it. Before we get to the football, it must have been when you got in there. The, the club has been from the outside looking in, literally stripped bare. So yeah, you know, infrastructure. Was it worse than you thought? Yeah. It might well, what, what did you find when you got in there? It was really strange, actually. The first couple of weeks were quite quiet, and then I realised it's because no one was there. Yeah. So once once people started coming back or we started 
um, recruiting people. Um, and we started actually um, restructuring the business, not the football side of it. Yeah. It, it. Yeah, things things were then like organised chaos um, because we're there's the match day operations, there's the season that's going on that you have to fulfil and all of that and try and win football matches. But then there's the other side of it. Yeah, there's the football club. And then, you know, obviously more recently, we've been going through acquisition, um, yeah. two businesses to to bring into that and not finished, obviously. And it's integrating those P&Ls, those business plans, trying to understand everything, going through the due diligence, legal, financial, all of that stuff having done it with the club for that intense four week period. So, um, yeah, it, it, it very, very, very quickly. Um, it's, it's a case of doing stuff, meeting the immediate needs of things that need doing, whether it's, you know, football, financial community operations, whilst, still having the bigger picture of what's our structure going to look like um, and where are we at in terms of achieving that model. Yeah. So uh, it's been an eye-opener. Yeah, I think you're right to ask that. It has. And going into it with an open mind is the only way because if you think it's going to be something and it's not and you're disappointed or you're stressed out with it, then it doesn't do anyone any favours. So by na- by nature, I'm quite entrepreneurial. So I think it's it's something I enjoy. Um and it, it's an obligation. It's something that we couldn't allow to happen. And Frank said that very quickly. One of the reasons, the motivating reasons for the family was they wouldn't have been able to sleep at night if the club had been liquidated um, and and ended up sadly like Barry did. Mm-hmm. So you know that's that's why that's why we did it. And and how close did we come to that? I'd say we were very close. There was no, Frank's already said, there was nobody else waiting in the wings. Mm. Um, Were were their creditors lining up? Yeah, the biggest, you know, one of the biggest problems as as a football club, I've just finished a phone call now, which is why I'm I'm late and really, you know, I'm I'm sorry, is that if you're dealing with um, football agents and they haven't been paid, then they're not going to bring players to sign at club. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, John and Tommy did a great job in the summer. Um, attracting the players that we did um, in very difficult circumstances. And that in itself is a, is a reality. We've gone through that. The club was then taken over um, the week before the season started after you know most of the business had been done in that window. Um, and it's a case of moving and developing along now um, whilst, whilst not doing things at a, a pace... Yeah. where we're making rash decisions. So, what, so we'll come to the football side of it again, as I say in a bit. If you keep on the on the on the sort of the, the business side of it, like when you arrived there, it was quiet. <laughs> we're probably bereft of staff. You know, we've lost a lot of good people who did good work over the years, partially because of the way they've been treated, partially because of the, the way that the, the the limited company was being run. You know, have you recruit? You know, we all know who you, who you've recruited from the public side. Uh, customer side facing the company but you know how many people have recruited what's the how many full-time employees we got now how does that compare to three months ago you know what other roles have you got a finance director in? have you got a like what, what what have you had to fix that we wouldn't that fans wouldn't see publicly 
yeah so i think the, the the first thing to do is to acknowledge the people that were left there um you know they've had a, a rough ride and it's not been pleasant and you know they've done they've done great work um so there's some unsung heroes there yeah um there's there's some um great examples of people taking the initiative and leadership uh, joseph in the accounts department who was brought in um as one of the premier league kicks yeah. um scheme people and he's not you know he, he he's uh he won't mind me saying this hopefully he's you know he's a really bright kid crompton house lad local lad um uh he's he's got a first class honors degree at university in accountancy but he's not an accountant yeah. But he's he's run the show. Well, we we, we know that because we interviewed Shahid Alam, who's the who's the previous yeah. fan stage, yeah. and he, he told us how he was recruited and and uh, and what's going on. So, yeah. yeah. So we've got a young kid there who's possibly he's been exposed to more in his lifetime as an accountant, whilst not being a qualified accountant, than most people are one of the top four, top five in the world would ever be exposed to. Um, and it's you know again use the word heartwarming. People like that have have um, put a shift in to kept the club going, um, learnt, developed, and grown. And you know he, he's now come out with the other side. He's he was actually chasing a debtor today, some of the hoses money, which is quite unique. So I said to him, "You need to rehearse in the mirror. You owe us money," <laughs> in a nice way, of course. Um, but yeah, so that's. You know that's just one example so there's been some there's some great staff um that's come along the day that we the day that i went in and and spoke to everyone and said just shortly before we spoke to your good selves um there was a look i thought there was a look of shell shock on them really yeah they didn't know whether you know people that didn't recognize me um, i could have been somebody you know from a <laughs> with, a, with a different purpose going in there so um, yeah, I think they were shell shocked and relieved. I was told afterwards um, there was people hugging and crying. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. I was, um, I was the same. Yeah. It was in, it was incredibly difficult balance, wasn't it, <clears throat> under the previous ownership in maintaining um, distance between the people who were causing the problems and the people who were trying to do their jobs and and keep and who were fundamentally were like you said were keeping the club together under such difficult circumstances when. Because reputationally, the club, I think you've just you've basically just you know alluded to it there, haven't you? It, it, it within the game, within the community, when you're talking about it owing people money and that kind of thing, it was its reputational damage was quite severe by the sounds of it. And and if it wasn't for those people, I guess that were that were in there, the nuts and bolts keeping it together, things yeah. would have been a lot worse. Yeah, they could. And um, you know, there was some they've made some difficult decisions which they always thought were in the best interest of the club. Which might have appeared to have been loyal to other people, and and you know that's the that's the dilemma they've been in. But since then, yeah, we've we've brought in um, a CFO, somebody who's who's a you know proud Oldhamer local, um, very senior person, Paul Rooney, um, was CFO at Slumberland, um, big Latics fan, yeah. you know. So all of a sudden, we've first of all we've assembled the board, which we um, you know we know. It's important to have clear, consistent, and experienced leadership that's trusted uh, on, at a board level. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the Rothwell family, which again, 
we're so lucky to have them. Um, they're just proper people. They are um, hardworking, um, successful um, people that deeply care about the town and the club. Um, so, you know, to that, that was a bit, it was, it, I think my dad said it about Frank. Somebody asked him, you know, how long have you known Frank? And he said, um, we've only just met, but I feel like I know him a long time. And that's, that's how I feel. I've been with Sue and Luke today. You know, we've been talking about bigger picture stuff. Um, it's sometimes in life, you know, moons align and things happen. And yeah. it's uh, the timing of it uh, could have been, you know, we could have been four weeks earlier, which would have helped, but it wasn't. So we get on with it. But actually the fact that we've, we've, we've all met and come together at board level is brilliant. We have, you know, we've had two board meetings now. We have one a month. Um, obviously, we're waiting for Darren to be approved. Mm -hmm. That's been a bit slow because of the FA. They've changed the forms. Um, so we we sent forms in for Darren and then they've been sent back and we've got to send new ones in, but we hope to have that confirmed as soon as possible. And, that, and that's Darren Mills, the yeah. uh, OSF rep on the board. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, obviously, we've, we've added Paul, as I've said, um, as, as a CFO. And then... On the business side of it, we've recruited two more people into the media department. Um, you know, Alan was doing probably 80, 90 hours a week on his own. Um, so, you know, he's got some more um, resource there. Uh, I think we, we've we've also, you know, we're in the process of doing a, a review of everyone in terms of their roles and, and salaries as well, because it's important to realise that um, people are getting um a wage that they they deserve mm -hmm. um particularly at the moment with you know the way things are mm -hmm. with with the cost of living and stuff so yeah, yeah. um there's lots of other areas where we've made additions we've appointed obviously groundsmen um to that yeah, which we didn't have a full-time groundsman i believe no we didn't and a bit all over the show in terms of things but that was another problem in the summer that the, the pitches over there you'll know this they died i took pictures of them as i was walking past because it was like it looked like sand or something yeah like, or, or a field of wheat or something yeah mm. completely so, so john and tommy were saying you know can you help us find somewhere for the players to train it's like what mm. so because they haven't been watered um because the there's a problem with the water tank and the inlet valve pitches didn't get watered it took four hours to refill a tank that then got rid of its water in 40 minutes. Um, it's just unsustainable in that heat. So at, at one point we had nowhere to do pre-season um, and we've lost time in pre-season, I would say, because of that. And that's that once you get into prepare, perform and recover in a, in a competition season, mm. it's difficult to get, you know, those, uh, those minutes and days back. How yeah. difficult was it in the pre-season? How diff how how much and how negatively? I say negative is probably not the right word, but because there's probably a lot of positives that have, that have come out from it. I mean, the fact that we've actually made the season and everything. But how difficult was it for the football club from a, from a football point of view to be mid-takeover pre-season with everything on that kind of deadline? I mean, was it just chaos trying to just? Meet every meet every requirement and and get it all done with one ownership leaving, one coming in, a manager that's trying to sort of recruit players, not really knowing what's going on. It must have been 
a bit of a headache, let's say. Yeah, it, you know, it was um, it was it was a fast-moving, multifaceted deal. Um, you know, we we weren't we weren't going to do the deal without having the assurance of being able to buy the, the stadium, the land. So the first part of it, you know, was aligning two deals um, and agreeing for everything and agreeing for litigation to be dropped um, to allow stuff to go ahead. So there's multiple parts to that. Um, there's then the time differences and Luke was brilliant in terms of it's, you know, I'm not saying anything I shouldn't. He, he, he dealt mostly with, with Abdallah on the negotiation. Mm. Um, and um, that was, you know, that was one part of it, but then there's the other part of it around, you know, what, what does it, what's happening at the moment and what does it look like on the other side? So. Was there any, ever any point in it where you felt like it might not happen and it was like a panic? Cause you presume that you get to a point where you think, right, this is going to happen. And then, but you never until you signed on the dotted line, or, or or once it was in motion, did it go relatively smoothly? No, I don't think any of those deals do. You always go, you always feel very close, and then at some point something happens, something said, a condition might change, and you think we're a million miles away all of a sudden. So, um, must be stressful then on, on those on those kind of deadlines that it, you're trying it, to turn it around. You're spot on, Matt, and that's the stress because it's not like we're trying to buy a business where there's ten other businesses like that. It's something very special that means a lot to us, yeah. and the stakes are high, and you don't want to fail, and you know the cost of failure is huge. How was that emotionally like for you and your dad, like being so invested as you are in the club and then trying to maintain, because I'm trying to imagine, I'm trying to empathise, I'm trying to put myself in that position of it was you and me, Andy, that would, it must be quite difficult to emotionally and to have your business head on at the same time. Um, I was thinking about this today before, you know, just thinking stuff through and I think the Salford game last year, um, I, I understood why things happened the way they did. For me, I was, I think it was, uh, I was sat there with my two boys and um, everything was unfolding and it just seemed like the end of days. Um, so I think from, from that, that point, um, it was really, that was, that was the point where I thought, this isn't good. Um, well, we, I mean, there, there, so there have been multiple times where we've all felt felt <clears> like like doing the podcast. We felt helpless, didn't we? At times, yeah. literally helpless. Like we were trying to reach out to anyone, trying to find anything. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll come to it in a minute. But we we were trying to find investors. Yeah, <laughs> we, were, we were trying to talk to people to see what we could dig up. You know, with with literally limited uh, experience of doing so. With you know. I'm just shouting into the void. Shouting into the void, yeah. Well, there is, you feel, you, you feel a sense of helplessness and you think, I, at, that, at that point, the reason why I'm telling you about that is I just, I, I felt like we'd failed. Um, I, I think it was, you know, it was like, right, this is, this is just going to go down one way now. Mm. And I think some of the supporters, because of where they were, quite rightly, were thinking, well, actually, we might be better off doing that. And, um, I don't know. That was that was a low point, and I think the stress from from that low point was a a reminder, you know, in the deal when you're doing the deal and you you're up and down, and, and mindful also that it's got to be right for 
the Rothwell family. It's not fair to expect them to actually do something which just, you know, doesn't make business sense. And mm. I think they've gone beyond that. I think they've they've gone above, over and above to deliver on that. So, you know, I felt a dual responsibility there because they are, um, you know, the debt of gratitude to them for doing what they've done and their commitment moving forward is unbelievable. So there was a, you know, that's going on there and also we don't want this to fail. Well, you've got, you've got the, you've got the Royal surname and, and that has a, that has a, a, an indelible link to all of athletic yeah. forever. So you, you, you have that connection too. You, you, we talk about the, the, the Rothwell family. One of the things that they said at the press conference, which they were quite clear on, and actually Frank sort of repeated it in a slightly different guise with the interview with ITV prior to the Wrexham game, where he, where he talked about not one person being able to uh, put the risk, put the, the threat of, of Oldham Athletic being, being, you know, liquidated or gone out of business in future. He talked in the press conference about building a consortium of local business people. I mean, it's only been three months, which in the grand scheme of things yeah. is, is, is a nanosecond. It feels like a lot longer. It, it's it does. It does. But it really had to remind that. You have to put it in context. Yeah, you have yeah. to put it in context. You've said it on the podcast every week. You know, yeah. well, we're not, we're not, why aren't we winning? Like, it's been three months. Right? <laughs> give it time. Give it time. But um, yeah, is, is that something that is still being pursued? Yeah, I think so. What we've got to do, just before we get to that point, is we've still got to finish the last part of the deal. Yeah. That's going through. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got to. Um, basically then look at obviously all the P&Ls that we are consolidated into one. Yeah. So, you know, people saying, what's the three, five-year plan? It's like, well, actually, I don't know what the P&Ls look like for OEC and for um, the gym in, in 12 months because we need to find out and realise when it's all in one, yeah. what it could look like and how how one ownership potentiates know how can the gym be more successful now it's owned by the football club mm -hmm. there are many ways it can be so we're asking those questions um to, to to look at to look at that i think once we're in a position where everything's consolidated we've got a, a clear um from a financial perspective picture yeah. on the health of the business um then that that is the point where we look at it and we say right you know what does the ownership piece look like? How do we um, look at a, a broader community ownership of the football club? Um, we know that there are other people, good people out there um, who are Latics fans who live in the local community that, that would be interested. Mm. I mean, one of the obvious things to point out is, is uh, this is a question that, that probably isn't best being asked of you, it would be being best asked of a, a Rothwell, but nonetheless, um, they've put anywhere between 12 or 13 million pounds in, in some form, in different interviews. You know, I, I, I'd like to ask, although I suspect I won't necessarily get a straight answer to the question for various legal reasons, what did that go on in the end? Was it 8 million pound on the stadium, 4 million pound on the football club? Was it, is it, Four million pound on on the stadium, two million pound on the football club, and the rest of it is set aside for development. Is you know that's the sort of you know because as we pointed, as we've talked about before on the podcast, other football clubs 
have gone for much lower values yeah. with assets that arguably are better than... You know, if you valued Boundary Park as an asset and the last surrounding land of the football club, you wouldn't come up with £12 million as a value for it. So you may not or may not be able to answer that question directly. But I guess the point I'm getting to is is it would be difficult to expect them to put any more, more money in because they put so much into savers. I'm totally grateful. So extending a, a consortium of bit local business people will bring potentially new investment. Yeah. And that she's presumably is going to be going to be important. Um which leads me on to you can answer comment to any of that, that that you choose or don't. But um one of the things it leads me on to is OASF had found a conditional investor who was prepared to put a seven-figure sum in. But that conditional investor, the condition on that investment was that he or she <laughs> wanted to form part of a consortium. Mm. Have you reached out to OASF and all that conditional yeah. investor? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you think there's any legs in that? Um, I think there's legs in anybody who's got the right um, interests, understands what they're getting into, um, and we understand what they want back as a result of that. Um, for us, it's about building a sustainable business model, which not many football clubs have. I think we've got an opportunity with um, the actual land and scope and location of it to do that. So once we've um, actually put that in place, which we're on with, we've had various meetings today, um, and it's, it, it is um, basically looking at a non-match day sustainable income, um, multiple revenue streams that come into it to uh, to support a, a football club business. That will then probably dictate who wants to be involved because they'll have a specific interest in that area. Okay. Um, what I would say is that it's it's not about um, building on on the land. You know, we've we've I think. Brad has came down yesterday to Little Wembley. There's been there's been significant investment in Little Wembley to get it to a point where the academy can use it. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's focused on sport. It's focused on delivering something for Oldham as a community. We've not talked about this at all yet. This is the most important thing, which answers a lot of the questions. But you know, our dream of around the purpose, um, which involved the um, Sporters Foundation. Darren came on this. Uh, this this day of discovery really in planning as did the council um as did the community trust martin vos and phil royals um as did the club and various stakeholders in the club um the dream is proper positive sustainable change to oldham not just the football club so the reason why you know we're happy to put our names towards what we're developing here is that we believe that that the football club plays a major part in in the community moving forwards um and um giving people pride uh, around oldham as well there's a lot of people that will align with what we're doing that will derive pride from it not just about the history which i don't think we celebrate you know we don't i don't think we teach our kids about the the boomtown industrial revolution producing more cotton than france and germany put together more machines exported all over the world um the fact that because of the damp air, you know, we, we were part of the industrial revolution that the whole world's enjoyed. So that's just one fact about Oldham, which is unbelievable, which shows you about the history, the character of the place. What we need to do now is, and I think we can do through the football club and through a bigger project like this is, 
um, allow opportunities for more people to be proud of where they come from. Yeah, and, and so for everyone who's listening, sitting in front of us here, this is the, the day that was run by Kevin Roberts, I believe, mm. um, who's one of the board directors. Um, there's there's a, a Darren's brought a sort of a, an image in front of us, which is the out the outcome of that day where it says the dream is to lead a proper, positive, sustainable change to Alden. Um, and then it has a, a series of beliefs, characters and focus around that um, with words that talk about uh, how that can be achieved, you know, through inspiration, being brave, ambitious, relentless, innovative, inclusive, proper is the word that comes out a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, so if, if we ask about that and what do you anticipate um, might be the changes to the footprint of Boundary Park once it becomes part of the business? Well, just going back to this then, because yeah. there's, there's, I think supporters will be saying, well, you know, how does that get us three points on the pitch on a Saturday? Well, we'll come at that later. But whilst we're on this, you know, the two the two elements, the GIC is the greatest impossible challenge. And that's, we're not, we're not being idiots here. That's returning to the EFL. At the moment, that's our biggest challenge. That's our focus. The focus is winning football matches. Everything we do at the moment, if that's not helping us win football matches, we shouldn't be doing it. So, you know, investing some money um inverted draining the pitch to stop it chopping up so it gives us home advantage is money well spent um that is our focus and winning football matches in our focus so i don't want this to be misconstrued as you know this is pie in the sky business business talk this is a purpose on the page that you know anyone from top very very top premier league clubs gone through the same process um the All Blacks have gone through the same process. Los Alamos in the States have gone through the same process okay. and it works. So that's the reassurance. But um, yeah, the focus is winning football matches. Okay, I mean, that's, that's fair. Just, just say that on, on that. So, so the, everything is geared around that being. So this, this is this is like a, a, a top level strategy for the whole business entirely together where the focus is and it says to win football matches. So but, and I, it doesn't take a lot for me to imagine that the structure of the business is is the foundation from which to do that. Yeah. So I guess that's why I asked the question, what what are the, you know, if, if you look at the FLG's original plans, clearly they're not necessarily relevant now, but there was plans for housing to be built around the stadium, a hotel to be put on there, two, two monetizing on match day. Presumably that doesn't exist and, and you come at it from a different perspective now. So I, I guess, are you able to elaborate on what the potential potential is and what the plans are for the footprint i could start with you know at some stage chad and he's knocking down and rebuilding with a concourse underneath and a decent bar there and rail seating the main stand he's knocking down because it's going to be decrepit what i could get into that detail but is the you know little wembley therefore is not going to be built on what what do you anticipate the the infrastructure developments on boundary park going to be in the future yeah so frank's already alluded to it um in in his addressed to ITV and, yeah. and Ryan Reynolds, which yeah. I thought was brilliant. Um, we just need him to do another video now to reply to, to Ryan, don't we? In a, in a very polite way, which I thought Ryan Reynolds uh, and his um, business partner demonstrated a lot of class. Yeah. In terms of the the developments, uh, yeah, so we it's very much to develop a multi-sport opportunity through education. So um, that's a sustainable business model. One that doesn't actually compete with Oldham College, um, 
who's led by Alan Francis, who's got one of the biggest and best brains in Oldham. He, he's chair of the Oldham Economic Review Board. Um, so it's it, it's actually something that enhances um, our offering in the town. There's discussions with a couple of universities as well, which the town doesn't have. Yeah. Um, so that creates, through sport and education, um, a sustainable business model, which enhances the facilities, which also allows for the community to use those facilities. Um, so, you know, enhancing the facilities at Little Wembley, using the land to potentially build other facilities and, and uh, football pitches. So 4G pitches as well, which we need with the weather. Yeah. Um, you won't hear me complaining about a plastic pitch, I'll tell you that. No, well, <laughs> I think there's a, there's a few good memories from that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, without what, what I don't want to do is um, over promise and not deliver. Yeah. But we are at the point where we're, we're, we're speaking to uh, council, we're speaking to infrastructure planners. Um, we're, we, we, we have got a, a business model, um, and it is. You know, as I said, as you alluded to, it's not going to be building houses on on Little Wembley. Yeah. Um, we've got the gymnasium, which we're looking to um, develop as an income and a revenue stream, and and I think the uh, the supporters bar as well, which needs development now. It needs to have a purpose. Um, if that's something that is possibly competing with something at Elk Mill, or the or the outlets at Elk Mill that also makes, you know, the stand and the car park more of a destination to go to. Mm -hmm. um, that again is is uh, on the on the radar in terms of our options that we're looking at with that. Just so to, to further your question on the earlier about the investment, does it does any of that stuff that you've covered there in terms of the potential redevelopments, is, is any of that money that's gone in already, is any of that ring fence for that? Or is, is as some of that 12 million or whatever it was, has it all gone on spent have been spent on or was some of that a reserve pot sort of thing or like no the 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 um the the money that's that's been mentioned is is for the acquisition of the the land the stadium and the football club so that's all gone. so this is this is additional investment yeah, yeah. that we're talking about yeah. um the reason why this should be reassuring is that this is additional investment to create businesses that generate non-match day income mm -hmm. um, that will support the football club. There's a whole business model around the football club um, and the academy that is not pie in the sky. It's 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 tried and tested. There's variations of it at Brentford, for example, which I think has got one of the, it's one of the best run clubs and best run business models um, in 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 the country and possibly Europe. So. You know that there's there's different aspects to the business. And the one that we're talking about here is what's happening away from the training ground and the football business, and that's to make as much of uh, as much as we can from the facility on a non-match day. On a match day as well, we realise we need to be better. Um, the facilities are outdated. Um, we know we all know that that's their givens there's been no investment in that for many years there's a huge amount of work that we've had to do to rectify faults electrical faults structural faults which is ongoing um we've done over 10 
different surveys around the stadium to do that. Um, our ambition with that is that we hope to get the um, safety assessment group to increase the capacity again. Um, so that's but that's an ongoing expensive piece of work um, and that's extra budget outside of what we've committed. That's the thing, guys. What I was just like, so how important is it then? And this is going to sound like it's a really obvious question, but you know, I know that you're trying to plan for the next few years. So we've we've got the money this year from the EFL. I think it's next year it's half. Yeah. And then is it gone the year after or yeah. basically? So all these things are going to cost money. All the money's going to have to come from some somewhere. We've you know you've obviously been delighted. We've all been delighted by the response for season tickets, from attendances, from people willing to put money into the club again after the last couple of years. How quickly does that need to happen? And how 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 are you managing that? Because you see it from a lot from from fans. If we don't start winning games, it's not coming. The, the, the finance yeah. comes in. Like how how quickly are you hoping to? turn a lot of this stuff around so that it starts to generate that revenue regardless of necessarily how well we're doing on the pitch there's two aspects to it there's the non-match day longer term plan which you know we've got to do that's got to be done you can't say all right well we'll wait till we're winning football matches and then we'll think about putting a, a business plan in and a, and a grander infrastructure um the the actual um results on the pitch if you look at the football side of the business, um, you've got recruitment, you've got coaching, you've got management, and without doubt, the you know the key priority in building a squad is recruitment. Everybody says that you've got to get your recruitment right. Um, one of the things that we've we've put in place first of all, which has been another big investment to trying to trying to get results as quickly as possible, is is that first of all the management and coaching structure, which the clubs not had for such a long time. Um, highly qualified, successful people that are ambitious, results-driven. Um, and that's not just the manager and his coaching staff. You know, that's also um, head of recruitment, uh, scouting infrastructure. So there was nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so we're starting from scratch in terms of, you know, our ability to do that, which we've put in place now. Yeah, Steve um, Thompson. Steve Thompson. Then there was, we've not announced it. We should announce it. Um, but we've just been doing stuff. Um, but you know, the, on over the weekend there were seven games which were scouted. Um, so that just shows you our intensity and our intent um, in in terms of looking to help, support, and improve the squad. The Boundary Park Alert System is hosted and produced weekly by Matt Dean, Andy Halliwell and Dave Bradley for QPod Productions. A huge thank you goes to all those people who already subscribed to the podcast. We appreciate you all and thank you for helping us out. If you'd like to help us out, please visit oafcpodcast.co.uk and click support or find the link in the show notes. It's only $2.99 a month and we'll draw a subscriber at random every month to win an Autumn Athletics shirt of your choice. Please follow and interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at OAFC Podcast and subscribe to youtube.com forward slash the Boundary Park Alert System 
Preston, where you will find the Latics Football Forney with myself and Dave Bradley live every Wednesday from 8.30 till 9.30pm. We'd like to thank Arlene Finnegan for writing our excellent weekly blog, which we encourage you to read on our website every Saturday morning. Thanks also go to Paul Prentergast for providing us with all the Latics Man questions. The title music for the show is by Manchester DJ and producer Starion. And for more information, visit bandcamp.com forward slash red laser records. You can help change the game by listening to us on the Fan Hub app along with all major podcast platforms. But please like, subscribe and review the pod to help us climb the rankings and to gain more listeners. OASF.co.uk and pushtheboundary.co.uk are where you'll find out more information about our official FSA affiliated supporter groups and continue to raise money for the 1895 fund. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to be a guest or contribute to the show, we'd love to hear from you. 